Today I want to look at the schizophrenia that engulfed Jethro, Yisro, in Pasha's Yisro. And I want to trace from the problem in the biblical text uh, in Exodus uh, 18 through the Midrashic literature, the Zohar, and Balaturim and the Shemishpul. Um, because what I want to show is that the commentators are reflecting more of what their what they are their schizophrenia and their struggles between our sacred tradition and monotheism and belief system with the rest of the world. So it's about us and the alterity, us and them, and how do we negotiate that space? And how do we educate our children? Is it education in critical thinking or is it indoctrination? I am troping, I want to say, uh, of Rabbi Belovsky's shiur that he gave in Golders Green Synagogue in Tovshin Ein on Pashas Yisro. So I attribute everything to him. But my approach and my conclusion will be quite different from his. But I... I, uh, uh, I want to cite him and thank him uh, because he is a, a good thinker, uh, one of the few in, in England who appreciate the radical nature. Uh, he has written a PhD and a book on the Shem Mishmul, the grandson of the Kotzka, the son of the um, Avnei Nezer, who lived and whose Torah here is in Tofresh Ein Gimel. So that's uh, 1913, I think. Tofresh 70 and 40 uh, is, yeah. So he's writing at the fin de siècle. He's writing where the winds of war and the winds of intellectual changes are occurring in Poland. And so we're going to end up with his take to show how he reflects those winds of war uh, period. Okay, so we're going to start with the text. Vayichad Yisro. The very first word is a problematic word. It should have said, Vayishma. Well, that's, we started the parsha with Vayishma. So then, Vayesape Moshe, Moses tells him what happened. Vayichad, his response is Vayichad. Now, the word Vayichad has, it should have said, Vayismach. Mm-hmm. Right, because his his response is Baruch Adonai Hashem Miyad Mitzrayim. So why didn't they say Vayismach? The word Vayichad has a connotation of Chedva of happiness, but it also has a darker connotation. And as you know, we like it darker. Vayichad Yisrael Akolatova Yisrael. Jethro was celebrating all the good stuff that happened or that God did for the Israelites. In fact, the Chassam uh, Soifer, as the rabbi told us yesterday, uh, it says, well, we already know. Jethro already knows. So why does Moses have to retell him? And why didn't he say, Baruch Hashem, uh, in the first time round, in the beginning of the Pasha, by Yishma Yisro, he should have said then, Baruch Hashem. So obviously he didn't get the whole story. By Yesape Moshe, he filled him in. What did he fill him in so that here he should say, Baruch Hashem, Hashem, And the Chassam Sov has a beautiful uh, explanation. Okay. Verse 11 is the critical words that trigger the Midrashic 
ambivalence about Jethro's intentions. He says, oh, blessed be the God who took them out of Mitzrayim from the hands of Pharaoh. Right? Then it says, Atoyodati. Now I know, actually, uh, in, the, in the biblical sense, it's Atoyodati. Now, grammatically, I have known. Ki Godol Adonai Mikol Elohim. That he is greater than all the other gods. Now, this triggers the Midrashic imagination because now you know? First of all, you heard. Second of all, you were in Egypt. You were one of the three advisors, right? Along with Amalek and Job. Suddenly? What suddenly? Because Moses told you? What is the Atoyodati? Now I know, right? So we go to the Mechilta in Pashas Yisra. Remember, Mechilta is second century. It's very early. It's a Tanaitic Midrash. It has great authority, as opposed to the Yalkut Ruvini that we'll see later, which is just a liquid, a medieval liquid. So when someone tells you Medrash, it's a Medrash. you got to check what is this Medrash. Where is it coming from? Well, Mechilta, hey, that's we're talking about top-level business class, right? Since you were talking about business class. Omrulo. They said about Jethro, Lo Yisro Zora There wasn't one Avoid Zora that he hadn't tasted. Shelo Avda. Shinema, because it says in the Posak, Atayodati, now I know. Kigodol Adonai, what? Mikolho Elohim. How do you know about the other Elohim? Oh, I tasted them. I went to the ashram in India. I went to I went to the Scientologists. I went to the Native Americans. I've tasted everything. Mikol Elohim. And if he says, now I know, it means I know experientially, das, right? Hmm. I've experienced the others, and now I know that God is there. Okay. So what is that Mechilta telling you? Is that a praise of yes, Jethro? Or is it an implied criticism? Well, let's go to the next one, Midrash Rabbah. Later. Rabbah is the later series. It's Amoraic. Omro Yisro. Nosan Mamish Bavodas Kechavim. They said about Jethro, he really knew idol worship. Shenema Atoyodati. Meaning, there the Medrash is saying, the implied, it's actually more, that the Mechilta was implied criticism. The Medrash Rabbah is explicit criticism. Why? Atoyodati. Only now do I know. I mean, until this moment, I wasn't so sure. There's God, there's the other pantheon of gods. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Atoyodati. Mikolho Elohim. From all the other pantheon of gods in the world, uh, yeah, he's, he, he, he comes across the best. Next, in Devorim. What was this kind of search that he was in doing? I mean, obviously, he'd been around the world on a trip, looking at all the other tasting them, enjoying them, looking them, searching for them. Why? Yisro shehoyo yodeya. That's number four, citation four. Yisro shehoyo yodeya. Shechaza al kol bate avodas kechavim sheba olam. And then the medrash adds velo matzah bohem mamish. So it it's different to the previous midrashim because he had actually gone and tasted them and rejected them. Lo 
Batsa Bohem Mamish. So he was actually, and it, this is a less of an implied criticism, it's validating the search, and it's actually giving him a, a kind of um, praise because he was a true analytical master of world religions and found nothing in them of value. And therefore the word atar isn't just about the search, but it's about his moral decision to become Jewish. Nitgayer, to become a convert. That is Atta Yodati. Atta, only now, after the spiritual search and realizing that none of the other religions have any value, Atta, now I am ready to convert. Okay. Now we're moving on this spectrum from explicit criticism implied criticism, kind of praise, now to open praise that we see in the Zoya. And the Zoya says, The whole world, when after Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Kriyas Yamsuf was trembling. And when Jethro came, who was the high priest, he was the one who came and found that the validity of the divine Israelite God was over all the others, begin to call Alma Kad Then they trembled. And everyone was looking at Yisro. He wasn't just an opinion leader. He was the bloody Pope. Mm-hmm. And what he says goes. So everyone's looking to him. He is the master of all the Avodah in the entire world. He is the greatest leader from all in the world. So since he now converts, Everyone was divorced from their own idol worship. They followed suit because they saw him as the opinion leader, the Pope. And because of that, a Parsha is named after him. Wow! Look what we've done as we've gone from Midrash to Zoya. For the Zoya, the most important thing is his crossover. And his crossover from being Pope to being a convert was the impact he had on the rest of the idolatrous world. That is the message of this Zoya. Now we've talked about this spectrum from implied criticism to explicit criticism to mild praise to extreme praise. The, the Gomorrah takes a much more nuanced view and that from the rest of this uh, exposition, I want to talk about his inner soul and the conflict within him. Gemara, yeah, Gemara and Sanhedrin. Going back to that word Vayichad Yisro, it should have said... He was happy. What is Vayichat? Yes, the word could mean chedva, joy, right? Celebration. Uh, you know, he had come, oh, he's celebrating his conversion. But look at the way Shmuel and Rav look in the Gemara in Sanhedrin 94. Shmuel Omer, Vayichat, the word Yichad 
is a pun, shenase chadudim chadudim kol basara. His flesh became prickly. Omar Rav, and Rav takes it even further and says, you know, it's just like people say on the street, giyura atasora dore lo tevaze armai kame. Hey, you're talking to a convert? Be careful. Do not insult Arameans in front of him. He came from the Aramean, because in the Gemara's time, they were Arameans. He converted to the Israelite tradition. But for 10 generations, be very careful not to insult Arameans in front of him. Why? Look, it was an intellectual conversion. You don't know where his heart is. Maybe he has some hankering after it. Um, maybe, you know, maybe there's a connection that he hasn't yet gotten rid of. And Shmuel says, I'll tell you even more. When he heard of what God did and he became a convert, it wasn't a full conversion in the sense of his whole body. Hmm. It was his head, his body, his heart, which reflects in his skin. They had goosebumps. Meaning the Gemara is trying to suggest that there was a conflict between the intellectual decision that Jethro made to convert and a kind of emotional hankering that he couldn't hold back and was reflected in the goosebumps and the chadodim chadodim. What does Rashi say? He, Rashi even stretches it even further by saying chadudin chadudin, meaning kamtin kamtin. Kamtin is wrinkles. His flesh became wrinkled. Shehoya made some oid al mapolos mitzrayim. O-M-G. Yes, he had converted. Yes, he had agreed intellectually that this was the best divinity over all the other pantheon of the divines. However, Meitzar. Meitzar comes from a regret. It comes from the heart. He was troubled by the fall of Egypt, meaning there was a hankering after his past that he couldn't disconnect from it emotionally. No, let's go to the Gemara and Soita. This is also brought in the Medrash. Pharaoh, in fact, had three advisors. So, you know, you've been in the Trump White House. Okay, you're out of it now, right? But there's a hankering of what it felt like to be in the seat of power. Bilam, Eov, and Yesra. Not Amalek, I'm sorry, I said before Amalek. Bilam, Eov, and Yesra. Bilam, Sheyat, Nerag. Bilam was an advisor, right? Like that idiot Miller. Neherak. Eo Sheshatak. There are some advisors who keep their mouth shut because they know what's good for them. Nidon be Yasurin. What was his outcome? Well, we know from the book of Job, he was punished with Yasurin. Yisro. Now let's see what happened to Yisro. The Gemara says that Yisro Sheborach. Yisro fled from Egypt. I want nothing to do with it. If he merited that his son-in-law would be Moshe and his descendants would be sinking on the Temple Mount as Dayonim. So you see that Eov was part of the Troika advising Pharaoh. He had to run. But the Gemara says there was some kind of hankering. Okay. Now I want to turn attention to what I mentioned before. Is this education or is it indoctrination? We see from Yisro's heart how he wants his children or his grandchildren to be brought up by what he tells Moshe. And that reflects on this ambivalence. Watch what he says. 
in chapter 2, verse 21, Vayoel Moshe, Moses is running away from Egypt, and he comes to Midian, and he, Vayoel Moshe Losheves Esoish, in one sentence, we find out that Moses, uh, because he's running away, because there's a there's a warrant out for his arrest, he comes to Midian, and Vayoel Moshe. The word Yoel comes from the root Aleph Lamed Hey, which is an oath. He swears, he commits to Lashevet Et Ish to dwell with the man. Who do you think the man is? It's Jethro. Vayitain, and that man Jethro gives him Tsiporo Bito, gives him his daughter in wedding. Now, we learn that there's a separation between them. As he's coming down to Egypt, he meets Aaron. Aaron says, what, you're bringing another two people into, the, into Germany? Are you kidding? Stay away. They'll be killed. So they separate. The Eshnebo now, now Jethro brings her back and brings with her Et shnei boneho, es tzipora ve'et shnei boneho. Now look at the grammatical construction of this verse, which opens up a Pandora's box of midrashic interpretation. Asher shem ho echod gershom. One of their name is gershom. Ki oma ger ho yisi be'eretz nochriah. And then it says ve'asher shem ho echod. It should have said ve'asher shem hasheni. So the Torah is splitting the two as two separate, unique sons. And we're going to see why in a minute. What does it mean by Yoel Moshe? The Yalkut says that what is this oath? He swore to live with him. He swore to, was it a ksuba? He swore to take care of her? No. There's something before Vayitenes Tsiporo Bito, right? Before he gives her to him, he takes this oath. So the oath has nothing to do with, I'm going to look after your daughter in the way she's been accustomed to, young man. You said yesterday. Now the Yalkut is quoting this Mechilta. He said, Tanali et Sipora. So Moshe says, Can you please give me your daughter in marriage? So Omalo, so 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 Jethro says to Moses, I need you to commit, to swear to one thing. And then I'll give it to you. So Moshe says, what, what, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything you want for her. That your first son you give to me to grow up in the world of Avodah Zorah. According to my heart, not my head. After that, all the kids you have, you can do L'Shem Shemaim, you can be Kate and Jew. I want that first boy. Give me the first son, the Bechor. Et HaBechor, right? The Bni Bechori. Give me the Bechor. And Moshe accepts the deal. So the Medrash is saying, by Yol Moshe, Moshe is making a deal with Chos and Moshe? This is the great Moshe. He's giving his first son to Avodah Zorah. What's going on? What is in his mind? Does he think, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convince this guy to convert and everything will be fine after that? What is going on in Moshe's mind? Targum Yonason, a very early first century translation of the Bible into Aramaic, and there is no translation without interpretation. So we can look to the Targum to tell us a very early rabbinic 
impression of what's going on by the way it translates. By the way, Robert Alter just came out with his translation of the Hebrew Bible. 30 years he's been working on this into English, carefully chosen words, as important as the Buber Rosenzweig translation in the 30s into German. Get it. Robert Alter? <laughs> Robert Alter, but put it in the back of the library, like your wines. So he brings his son, Bray, to Lohave Gazir. What happened when they came by Yelech Malon? As he's going down to Egypt, it says he came upon to this Malon, and God wanted to kill him. Why? Why would you want to kill him? So the Targum Yonason says because one of the sons had not been circumcised. Now notice it says, Eliezer haya gazar that that Eliezer. Now we are talking about Gershon being the first. So there's a switcheroo here we don't understand. But in the Targum, Eliezer had not been circumcised. Why? He'd made a deal with him. I won't circumcise him. That explains the whole episode in the lodge. No one understands. Why is God trying to kill him? He's not trying to kill him, Moshe. He's killing Eliezer because he's not circumcised. Right. So it turns out that Moshe kept his oath. He was being raised Avodazora. And what do we see in Sefer Shoftim? By Yochimulahem Don at Pesel Micha. Now who is doing Pesel Micha in Don? Yehonatan Ber Gershon Ben Menashe. Now, the Nun here, Gemara and Baba Basra 109 says, it was Jonathan ben Gershon ben Menashe. But it, the Gemara says there's a Nun Tluya, the Nun in the text. If you look in the Torah, the Nun is hanging. It's not in its right place. So you could take the Nun out and it would say, Gershon ben Moshe. Gershon ben Moshe? What's he doing setting up Pesel Micha? Oh, it's that genetic inheritance from the grandfather and the oath of the father that I'll bring him to Avodah That's the deal to get Sipora. Look at the Bava Masa. V'chi ben Menasheh V'holchu ben Mosheh Yeah, he behaved like Menasheh. So the Torah says, yeah, he's a idol worshiper, just like King Menasheh. Tirsiv, as it says in Divrei Ayomim, b'nei Moshe Gershem ve'Eliezer Ela. So the Medrash is connecting the two, the Sefer Shoftin chapter 18, and Divrei Ayomim 1:23, to suggest that that Ben, that Yonatan Ben Gershon is Ben Moshe. Mitoch, now listen to this. The Gemara is very critical. Mitoch she also maise Menashe. He behaved like an idolater. Tolu akosu be Menashe. Hachanami so too. Mitoch she also maise Menashe. Daosim Yehuda tolu akosu be Yehuda. Okay. So we have an implied criticism that Moshe, who was raising one of his sons, okay, in what in 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 the Targum in Unison it's Eliezer, but in all the Mepharshim it is Gershom. He's raising him as he promised to Yisro like a goy. Now, let's go to the Balaturim to see what his motive was. And this is the definition of do you raise a child lechinoch, or do you raise a child in the Weitznecheder for indoctrination? This is the question every parent has. Yisro hoyokoyme lavoidazor. Okay. He, there wasn't a religion he didn't know anything about. 
Ukishenosa Moshe bitter. Hutrach Moshe Lidurlo. God, Moshe had to promise to him he had to promise him that's we already learned yes now he had a motive Moshe was a politician he knows I'm not going to get I'm not going to get Zipporah without giving something I'm not going to give the border wall but I'll give border security right I got to give something I'm a politician. So what I'm going to do is, I'm going to accept what you're telling me. But in the back of his mind, Kavanoso, ki yodeya sheyachse eschomov lemutov kemo sheoso shehare nitkaya. He knew he was going to be able to convince his father-in-law about the validity of the Israelite faith. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. And he became converted. So he, he foresaw that he had the power to convert him. So then, obviously, his son would be converted alongside. So that's what the motive was. I want Sipporah. You wanted son. I'll give it to you, but I'll know that I'll convert you. That was the strategy. Mikol Mokom. Now the Balaturim says, nevertheless, the motive may have been good. Ne'enash. He was punished. What was the punishment? In Judges 18. He's punished, not because his son, but that the future progeny will have some kind of genetic flaw. That you made a compromise with Agoy to allow your son to be exposed to theology 101, 102, 103, 104, to avoid the in the knowledge that you, in your arrogance, would be able to convert the father-in-law, the shver, and that everything will be okay. Torah says, no way. No way. And the proof is, once you educate a child that way, what have you done? You've, you, you've, you've soiled him. There's somehow something from that Avodah that's going to come out in his genes. What is coming out here is the conflict between the intellectual and the emotional. Between the search for religion 101 and to find the right religion that every person goes through and what you transmit to your children. And that brings us to the Shem Mishmuel, which for me was a dazzling... A, a dazzling yep, um, reflection of the change in the 20th century, both in the Hasidic Polish intellectual tradition and the fact that the Shemish Mul and all the Polish Rebbers that came in from the Shtetl at the fin de siècle, at the turn of the century, were now exposed to the Warsaw gentry and the Warsaw intellectual winds. And they could no longer just take care of the farmers and the woodchoppers and the tailors of the Shtetler. They had to deal with people who were going to university, intellectuals, Zionists, Bundists, the whole intellectual world. Remember, by 1939, Warsaw had the largest population of Jews in one city in the entire world outside New York. Outside New York. Unbelievable. Every branch of Judah. So the, the intellectual Rebbers, as you see the Shem Mishmuel, and you see others in the 20th century, the Pia Setzner, uh, their, their whole approach becomes deeply psychological, deeply aware of other religions and other faith traditions, deeply aware of Haskalah, 
and the open society. So look at what he says. He takes off from his father because he likes to be rooted in the Avni Nezer or his grandfather, the Fedushi Arim. Remember, the Shemishmul goes through the following Gezer, the uh, Baal Shem Tov, the Magid of Mezrich. Magid of Mezrich sends to Poland, Rebzisha and the Neuem Elimelech. The five Talmidim of the Neuem Elimelech include the Choyzer of Lublin, Reb Nachem Mendel of Rimenov, the Oye of Yisrael, the Abtorov, the, uh, the Koshnitz of Magid, and the Ropschitz. The Choyzer of Lublin's main student is the Yira Kodosh, who starts the whole counter-revolution of Pshis. His Talmud, Simcha Binim, his Chavrusa and Talmud, the Kotzka, his son-in-law, the Avni Nezer, and his son is this Shem Mishmur. So it's the Kotz tradition, highly intellectual, self-critical. So he quotes the Medrash in which, yes, Jethro adjures and makes Moshe swear that his first son shall be to Avodah Now, listen what he says. It's dazzling. Jethro achieved Shleimut. What does he mean by the word Shleimut? Stay tuned. Before he came to Yiddishkeit, there wasn't an Avodah Zora that he didn't taste. He went to Harvard Theological Academy. He went to the World Religion Schools. He went to Oxford and Cambridge. He went to India. He went to Taiwan and the Buddhists of Japan, Mahayana, Maharishi, <laughs> Scientology. And after seeing that they had no validity, so for the Shem Mishmur, quoting the Chidush Arim, this was an intellectual journey. It was a spiritual journey of search. It didn't start off in Egypt as a Koyma. He went around looking for the truth. And he went to every theology academy and every ashram. And then he comes to Hiskil Adas from his Seichel up here. Hiskil Adas, Kigodol Hashem Mikolakim. And now the critical, dazzling words. Cain, Rotzo, Shezaro, Acharov, Yizguba, Oifenzer. He wanted his children to go through the same process. An intellectual process of discernment, of struggle, of searching until they came to the statement, Hiskil Odaski Godol Hashem. Why? That's the definition of Shlemus. Shlemus doesn't mean I just grew up in a Hasidic environment, I put Payas on when I was 13. I'm doing it because my father did it. That's not Shlemus. That's Anshemulumoda. That's doing it by rote. He wants you to struggle, he wants you to search. That is the intellectual path of Ger and Kosk. Oh my gosh. It means that only through experiencing the other, struggling, coming to the final intellectual decision. Remember, he's sitting in Warsaw. Wait, this is the same as Shmuel's opinion, or is he just explaining he's quote, No, no. He quotes the Chidusha Rim, okay. that quotes the the uh, the Medrash, but then he adds, Cain Rotsa Shezaro Achrov Yiskov 
it's like, where does one go from here? Does one follow the medrash that says implied criticism of Moshe Rabbeinu? Because you exposed your son to that Avodah Zorah, your great-grandson now is a koimer in Pesel Micha. So what have you done? You took away his emotional attachment to Yiddishkeit. You've got the Shem Mishmul saying, this is an intellectual search. It's a search that requires the mind to analyze, to compare and contrast, and then eventually to come to the understanding that there is the unity of the divine, and that is over all the other pagan idolatries. And I would say with Shem Mishmul and non-from cults and the Bundists and the Zionists and the Haskola and everything else that was going on in theater, right, in, in Warsaw, and the anti-Hasidic polemics of Pearl and the other, right, or the Yiddishists, whatever there was going on in Warsaw at the turn of the century. You have to taste it and come back to the base medrash and say, no, no, I'm here because I chose to be here. I've tasted all that stuff. Or do you say what the, the Balaturim is, that the definition of Chinuch has nothing to do with an intellectual search and critical thinking. That's what I, t- I raise my kids, right? Critical thinking, look what happens, right? You come out, you don't know where the outcome comes. Or is it the Weitznecheder, a process of indoctrination of the heart in which you produce a generation committed because of not just the intellect, but first the Yira Shemaim that comes with the heart. This is what is going on here in Vayichad Yisro, that Jethro is Chadodim Chadodim. That on the one hand, he's intellectually arrived at Am Yisrael, and yet there is wrinkles, there are goosebumps, because, as Rashi said, Emotionally, he was still stuck in Egypt. And so what does he tell Moshe Rabbeinu? Yeah, I I know, I've made the intellectual journey, but give me your first son. I I want him to experience what I've experienced intellectually. Moshe says, I got no problem with that. Why? Because Moshe's kavon is, I'll make him into a a ger. But Moshe only succeeded intellectually. He didn't convert the heart of Yisrael. And therefore his grandchildren become Pesel Micha. And so the Mikhtav Meliyahu, who's writing after the war in Gateshead, says, Im odom mitkarev el sviva she'eineno chazaka kol kach Hashem. Remember, he plants himself in Gateshead, not in London. And he says, you have to plant yourself in a lakewood, in a Gateshead, out of the main Warsaw area. <laughs> Even though your intent is, I want to raise my kids and critical thinking and I want to give them a good education, he says that the Saviva, the environment, and this is what my daughter had the problem, whether to go to Ari Crown or the Weizner right? She said, at the end of the day, the secular education may be better, the critical thinking may be better, but at the end of the day, I need the Saviva. Mikol mokum yesh b'zeh haskomo b'kerev livov v'levatek etzas. 
if you allow that, then in your heart, you are being maskim. You are permitting someone else to reach your child's heart in the educational process. And this is the struggle that we have for the next generation. Having gone through what we've gone through in a post-war generation, in a way where the internet now makes every single availability to you of every single belief in the world, and every child is open to that. Where do you place on the scale of critical thinking versus indoctrination versus the heart, where do you place the educational emphasis? Thank you. Thank you.